Whether you're a writer of books or songs or a reader of books and a listener to songs, you're going to really enjoy these interviews with some of our leading songwriters and authors. I certainly enjoyed conducting them. My name is Sophie Green and I am your host. Rachel Whitchurch grew up playing music in a family band and is now a solo artist, having released the wonderful and Golden Guitar-nominated album Finally Clear in 2021. Her latest single is I'm Not Cool, although I maintain Rachel is cool. Uh, Rachel also runs the busy booking agency called Sure Thing Agency, which means she helps other musical artists manage their live performances, amongst other things. So she is an expert at fitting in creativity around the rest of life and at making meaningful songs full of heart and humour. So I'd like to talk to her about that. Hi, Rachel. Hello, Sophie. Great to be back and chatting about, you know, something a little bit different today, the writing. Yeah, yeah. writing process um, that I would first like to know about the origins of I'm Not Cool. Yes, so this is my um, my new single. Well, it's, it's been out for a while. I came out in February. Um, and so um, it's funny, this song, um, a lot of people have said to me, you know, radio hosts and, and, and media and, and people like that have said, you know, this feels like a bit of a departure from some of your earlier stuff because it feels a bit more upbeat, a bit happier, a bit poffier. And I'm like, you know, I maintain that if you look at the lyrics, it is still quite you know a deep song yeah. <laughs> it's just got a very happy tune over the top <laughs> but no I wrote this song um look it's a it's a I think a universal concept of you know the idea of you know the imposter syndrome and all those things that people have around not feeling like they fit in really um but you know in, in this instance um it came about after I had a conversation um with a friend of mine Fanny Lumsden who's also a country music artist and we were chatting around you know just the idea that you know cool can sometimes be like the death of art you know when when you're trying so hard to be cool it takes away from what you're doing and so we, we're also talking about you know there's also people who are just genuinely naturally cool right they just they don't try they just are cool they look cool they feel cool that you know just they are cool um and and we're also just talking about how you know, well, for me at least, I, I wouldn't really know how to pretend to be cool if I wanted to, you know, I just kind of go out and I be me and then I hope that people like that. But it seems like a lot of effort to try and, you know, pretend. And so lyrically for this song, I, I wanted, I had this idea that I wanted to talk about all the things that I kind of do in my life that probably aren't the coolest. And, you know, so I, I opened the song um, with, you know, it's not cool to be too excited about anything at all. And that's, you know, that's the Australian way really, isn't it? You know, we're always like play it cool, you know, don't show too much expression. Something amazing happens. You're just like, oh yeah, right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. It's cool. And so we, we don't really show, you know, much expression about things. Mm. I love getting excited. I get excited about everything. Um, I get excited about ideas before they're even anything. When they're just an idea in my head, I'm excited. Um, and it's my best and worst trait. <laughs> <laughs> And so this is, you know, I started, the more I started thinking, I've, look, I had endless material for this song, Reasons Why I'm Not Cool. I could have gone on for 18 verses. So I just, I kept it to two, but I had, you know, mountains of material. But I think, yeah, I think there's many things that all of us do that maybe society says, oh, that's not a very cool thing to do. But I think that it's authentic, you know, it's authentic to who you are. And, and, and I think that's a, that's, you know, probably the most cool thing is just being authentically you. And so that's kind of how the song came about. Yeah. And I agree because 
as I said at the top, um, I do think you are cool. And so when I saw that song, I was like, lol, Rachel is incredibly cool. <laughs> but look, it's a great song. And Finally Clear is is a great album and worth many, many listens and, and deep listening. was also just entertainment listening. Um, but I'm released, wondering since you released it and all the activity around it because you were touring, you happened to be pregnant with your third child while you were touring. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if it's been harder to find time to write songs since then. Mm. So Finally Clear came out in, you know, 2021. It was in um, April of 2021. Um, I remember this because I released it uh, a week before my birthday and I was really, you know, gunning that we might get a top five position on the ARIA country charts. My husband was like, risky, bold move a week before your birthday. You're either going to have a great birthday or a really crap birthday. <laughs> depending on how this album works out yeah. I was like, yeah, that's true um but so that was out in 2021 but I released my very first single from that album in March of 2020 and actually recorded the album in December and January like so December 2019 so that meant that I had the songs ready before 2019 right so I had all these songs ready to go so that's a long time of having you know stealing those songs so when it when it kind of came to to um you know the the new project that I'm you know just starting to release from um you know a lot of people have said you know how's it been writing the reality is I had the songs written quite a long time ago because when I came out of you know recording um finally clear in 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 2019 when I was to record it it was done by January 2020 um I I was very I was very aware that you know this this sophomore record syndrome right where people put out their first album and it does whatever it does but then they have to follow it up and if you have any type of success it can feel very overwhelming to then have to come back and you know um start again and and have that weight on your shoulders of oh I've got to follow up from that and so um by some you know miracle finally clear did lots of really great things for me and and was you know well received and we had lots of um cool accolades um and, and which was great because I, I already had been consistently writing so when we were out on the road I really didn't want to get to the end of the project and think oh now I've got to write 12 songs about you know the last two years when all I've been doing is touring and living this album so um so that was you know I think I, look, I honestly would recommend that to anyone who's you know starting any sort of career that involves creativity is that when you um when you finish off that you know creating that first whatever it may be that first masterpiece don't think to yourself okay I'm just gonna have a break now like right. because the reality is you know you stop writing let's say you stop writing for six months that's six months out of practice that you are. Then you have to get back into practice. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like there's nothing worse than coming back, you know, finishing a book or an album or whatever it may be, coming back, being out of practice and then thinking, okay, now I've got to write all these amazing songs or I've got to write this manuscript or whatever it may be and then starting at the beginning again because the first five things you write are probably going to be crap, right? Like because you're out of uh, practice. Yeah. And so then it adds it adds to that weight of like, am I even a writer? Do I even know how to write? And so I just powered on through and just kept mm -hmm. going and didn't stop and I think it kept me in practice and also I, I was able to kind of you know document that experience mm. of releasing finally clear and, and and how it felt for me going through that process do you think when you continue to write like that without taking a break that it actually helps your self-editing skills because as you're going you, you if, if you're writing constantly then presumably you're writing some things that aren't going to end up being recorded mm. because you're just producing producing but then you also have enough material that you can start to look at it and think I like that I don't like that whereas if you just took a break the pressure might be on to have everything be recorded because that's all you have in that limited time 
Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Because I think that sometimes, yeah, people are like, oh, I've got all of it has to be great, right? Because I'm, you know, I need the 12 songs or, or whatever. Mm. All right. So I think, um, yeah, I think like powering through and not actually having a break from, you know, that process. And I, I hear what you're saying, because a lot of people, you know, they, they would start and they think, okay, I've got to write these 12 songs. And so they would feel compelled to kind of just, you know, it all has to be good. I have to just mm. make everything, you know, great because I need these songs. And so I definitely think I was able to kind of look at the different songs and and go through and think, oh, does this fit with the story of this album, of this, you know, chapter? And I think that's something that for me as a songwriter, uh, that's really important for me. And a lot of people, you know, don't release music anymore with the idea of like, you know, like this is a chapter of songs. They just do singles, singles, you know. And so for me, having a collection of songs that are cohesive together, that's something that is important to me as an artist. And so I think that it definitely does help the self-editing process because you don't have that immense pressure to make everything great. You've got the freedom to write average stuff and then just do it and be like, oh, it wasn't very good, but I enjoyed writing it. Or, you know, that's that led to another idea. Or, you know, I just took that little piece from that song and plonked it into this other song instead. And so, um, and, and, you know, look, I know people talk about this idea of taking breaks you know, from, from creativity, um, I can only speak for me, right? I, I don't know everyone. I can only know my situation. I think that um, I, I love songwriting. And so when I'm like, why why would I want to take a break from like one of the few things that I love um, in life? You know, oh, that sounds so dark, the few things that I love. Um, no, but, you know, like <laughs> it's not like I'm being held down, like you must write a song. I'm like, I really enjoy writing songs and sometimes it just, you know, comes out so easily. So I don't really require a break. The gym, on the other hand, I take, I've been taking a break from the gym for the last five years and it's been great. So. <laughs> I think, you know, you make a great point, which is that if, if you're not feeling that love for it, if it does feel like you have to take a break because you don't like it, why are you doing it? Essentially. Yeah. 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 And I think that's the thing is like, and, and look, don't get me wrong. Like, you, you know, every, every writing art form is different. And I realize it's probably different for people who are, you know, writing books or novel or whatever it may be. Um, but I think that, you know, at the heart of it, that doesn't mean that it's not hard sometimes mm-hmm. hard and, you know, like you still like things that are hard, right. Yeah. You can still be like, this is hard, but I love doing it. I think that, um, yeah, I think there still has to be something within it that, you know, it brings you joy. And, and, and if it doesn't, like then you know maybe um maybe you have turned it into too much of a chore and, and mixed that business in too much with the art which by the way there is definitely a place for, for business mm-hmm. but I think that when you're creating is not always maybe not always the perfect time editing mm-hmm. maybe but maybe not the first creation point yeah that's interesting you said editing maybe is when the is when the business might come in yeah mm, yeah. yeah you know what I mean like because you might look at it yeah. and go oh it's a bit long or yeah. you know I've I, this this plot line doesn't make sense or you know or this story isn't that compelling but I think that, that there's there's got to be a place for for the artist to come through when you're not criticizing yourself you're just writing a song you know or you're just writing a book and you, you you're just there to enjoy that process yeah um this is also interesting right <laughs> I could talk to you for three hours about it. Um, but, I'm going to, but in terms of fitting in creative life, you run a household, you have three young children, you have the short thing agency, and you also have your own musical things to do, playing gigs, writing songs, recording. Do you have some kind of spreadsheet to keep track of all of this? I am. Listen, I have a um, a brain that works at like a million miles an hour. Um, I saw this um, little meme on the internet the other day or a little, like, little reel, and it was um, someone saying, um, you know, 
someone saying to them, well, you have so many great ideas. And the person said back to them, the ideas that you speak of are only 5% of the ideas that are running around in my brain at any given moment. And I was like, that is me. I like trying to filter everything that's happening in my brain is just honestly so difficult. Um, so I think I keep a lot in my head, um, which is obviously a recipe for disaster because I forget things all the time. Um, but look, I think, um, yeah, I think that I have different, like, like, this, is, this sounds very depressing, but I think like normally when people look at my life and they'll say to me, oh, you're doing so well at, you know, you're doing so well at music. Hmm. The thing that I think that people have to realise, and maybe this is not true for everyone, but it's definitely true for me, is that if you see me doing well in one area of my life, that means that I'm probably not doing the best I can in another area of my life. Right. And so that's just a sad reality. So if you don't see me on social media for a while and you think, oh, Rachel, on social media, I guarantee you I'm being the best mum I can be I'm having a great time with my kids right um but if you see me like you know um out at concerts all the time you know my kids are probably missing me you know they're probably at home with their grandparents and you know and so I think that's the that's the hard part is you know as women um or men but you know I'm a woman so I'll speak to me as a woman women we can do whatever we want but we can't do it all at the same time you know it's just impossible so you know there's going to be sacrifices and I think that's um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think, you know, you know, that we fought for the right to do everything at the same time. We fought for the right to decide what we want to do with the time that we have. And so you still have to make those choices. And so I, um, yeah, I do, I do a lot in my life. I have an incredible husband who is just, you know, uh, I think very much like a complete equal to me in, in the way that we run our life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are a real team. We have no other friends, <laughs> but often I'm just like, Penn, I'm like, we can never break up because we don't have any other friends. Like you're my only friend. He's like, speak for yourself. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think we just like, we do work really well as a team and, um, and we just, um, you know, make it work, but it's hard. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but, and you you have been making it work actually and working since you were quite young because you were have been in a family band where you were in a family band from I think around the age of 10 it was and you were playing several instruments and um, recording music that wasn't yours or playing music that wasn't yours and I'm wondering if the creative process of being a songwriter was actually what helped you forge your identity not just musically but start to move away from your family as, as one has to as you get older but whether that creative act was essential to that. Mm. So when I played music with my family, um, I was actually probably the main songwriter. I wrote a lot, a lot of the songs. So even from a young age um, and, um, you know, when I first started, they weren't very good, obviously, but, you know, I got better and better and better and practiced and, you know, listened to artists that I loved. Um, I think it helped that my parents, um, you know, you know, because people don't realise we were in, you know, a car, it was like a truck thing together, you know, it was like a, a bench seat across the back. So it was like four of us kids in the back and mum and dad in the front. Um, and we only had, obviously, Ray would listen to one like album at a time you know it was the days of like you know distance had just come out right and so and they were pretty bad they would jump every five seconds so we would just put a cd on in the car and we would all listen to the same music so you know one day we would listen to eagles you know and then the next day we'd listen to lincoln park and you know after that we'd listen to avril lavigne and you know then we'd listen to you know whatever you know the dead ringer band or casey chambers and so it it really was like a a full um range of like you know music Mm -hmm. that we were were kind of introduced to and my parents never ever ever and I never realized at the time this was a thing my parents never criticized the music that we liked 
So if I was like, I want to listen to Avril Lavigne, my dad would be like, yeah, we do. I love Complicated. What a great song. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so they really like, they never shamed our music when we were growing up that we wanted to listen to. And so we never shamed for this. We were like, yes, Eagles, Hotel California, what a vibe. Like we all were just kind of like on the same page and we just loved good music. Mm-hmm. So I think the reason I'm saying that is because I feel like having, you know, such a wide variety of music and, and feeling like we could learn something from all types of music really led into me being able to, I think, um, lyrically, you know, enjoy writing songs. But I think the other thing was, you know, from from when I could write, so pretty much from, you know, when I entered school, like, you know, five, um, I have diaries that I kept from when I was like five years old um and you know I, I kept a diary pretty much until I was 18 and so I've died I just I'm just like I need to burn them I'm like, I never want anyone to read them teenage Rachel was so embarrassing <laughs> but you know but I really I always journaled like my whole life and I, I you know I haven't done it you know pretty much as an adult which I wish I wish I had but I just haven't um but as a child I did it and I have like you know I I remember like when I found all these old boxes and I was unpacking them, I actually found this old journal from when I was um, eight years old and it was me um, in my diary writing a prayer to God to please not let my pop die from cancer. Aww. Is that the saddest thing you've ever heard? I yes. was like, poor little Rachel. I know I got teary. I was really overwhelmed and rang my mum and we had a little cry because it was her dad and it was just like, yeah. it was really overwhelming. And so my son, his middle name is after my pops. He's like Graham Herbert and that was my pops name. And so just like having that documentation of like, you know, me talking about all these like quite deep things from like a very young age mm-hmm. it, and writing, being a, like, you know, I feel like mm-hmm. I was a writer since I was like five years old. Yeah. Um, It's just crazy. So I, I think that, you know, I think that, you know, even though I've gone on to become a songwriter, I think I just as easily could have, you know, not easily, but, you know, could have decided, oh, I'm just going to be, you know, a writer or write a book or, you know, mm. write poetry or whatever it may have been. Mm. I've ended at this point, um, you know, where I'm a songwriter, but I just think that some people love to write, you know, and, yeah. and I think it was always on the cards for me. So I don't think it was kind of, if anything, I think having, creating Finally Clear was coming back to my roots rather than setting right. myself apart. Yeah, but yeah. also um, tells me partly why you have that practice of constantly writing. You've been doing it since you were five. So when you were saying yeah. you know, not taking a break from songwriting because you love it, yeah, it's just there's a, there's a big part of you that just exists in creative flow, it seems. Yeah. Yes, that's right, yeah. And, look, I think... Um, I think it's having, you know, that stream of consciousness in my head, which, you know, I don't think everyone has that mm. either. I've realised later in life that not everyone has that. <laughs> so my husband, what are you thinking about? Nothing. I'm like, how? How, how does that, how do you think about nothing? Tell me more. <laughs> this is wild. Um, but, you know, I always have this stream of consciousness, sometimes two or three going at the same time. And so um, I think like getting that out is just like, you know, part of what I do. Yeah. Yeah, and you do it beautifully, I have to say, um, because I am a fan, first and foremost. Given all those musical influences in the truck as you were driving along, as you started to, well, when you were writing songs when you were younger even, were there distinct influences on your writing or was it just there were so many that you actually just formed your own voice out of all of that? I definitely feel like I was very influenced by Casey Chambers um, and the Dead Ringer Band, more so the Dead Ringer Band because that's who we grew up listening to. Um, and um, and Colin Buchanan as well is another one because we used to listen a lot to his music. Um, and so I think um, the thing that we really liked about the Dead Ringer Band was that they were doing things differently and they weren't singing about the same things that everyone else in country music was singing about. Um, I think we found it really hard to resonate with 
um, yeah, and look, it's, it's the same today. There's some country music that I'm like, oh, I love that for you, but I can't connect mm. with that song in any way. You know, I have no connection to that. Um, and so I think, you know, and that's what happens, right, is people go out and they look for the music that they can connect with. And so the Dead Ring event was was that for us and Casey was that for us. So I actually had to make, make a conscious decision, to, you know, at, at one point I had to be like, I've got to stop. I love her. I have to stop listening to her music because it's influencing me so deeply uh, and I'm not going to be able to find my own voice if I just constantly put that in my head all the time. And she's just so wonderful, right? I was like, I was just like, this feels like I've been cursed. I can't listen to Casey Chambers. Um, but yeah, I, I think like they were definitely a big influence. Um, but yeah, there were just, you know, like a whole lot of influences. And, and more so than that, I think just um, outside of listening to music as an influence, um, storytelling, I think. So we used to meet a lot of people on the road and um, my family, like, like we've never verbally said like we're a family of storytellers you know but like that's very much part of our family culture is mm. we love stories and so um you know my dad is a great storyteller mm. and we've all grown up listening to him tell stories and now we love to tell stories and so I think and there is you would know from writing a book right there's, there's an art to telling a story right to, to, to bringing the, the, the listener in and engaging them and, and you know piquing their attention and all that stuff and, and so I think more so than just, you know, artists inspiring me, I think that just people, stories, you know, things we'd gone through, it was that that also I think influenced me as a writer as well. Yeah. I mean, in a book we have a little bit longer to influence people and capture right. their attention for you. I mean, it's really, I don't even think you could say it's the whole song. It's seconds. It's the opening yes. bars. It's the opening lines. and. And um, whether that feels like pressure when you're writing it or whether it's a, an exciting challenge, I don't know. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. And you definitely don't have as long. Um, and so I think there's two things. I think on the negative sense, yeah, it sucks, right? Because you've got so much to say and you've got to get it into three minutes and you have to kind of, you know, skip over details or, or change the story a little bit to make it suit better mm. and, and and you get it into a nice summary with a hook line and, and make it palatable for people. And so that does feel constricting at times. Um, but then I think that sometimes having that limitation on, on, the, on the pro side of it, having a limitation forces you to, to look at it and think, okay, what is the, you know, the, the most effective way of getting this story across? Um, and, and I think, look, I do lean on the side of using too many words in my songs. Oh, I shouldn't say that. That's not correct. Like what the reason I'm saying I shouldn't say that is because I think that there's a place for every, you know, song you can find your audience. Mainstream radio would prefer if I used less words. <laughs> Right. Definitely, one hundred percent. But I love words, and I have so much to say. And so I'm always trying to think: is there a way I can say the same thing in less words? Okay. You know, um, my husband also says the same thing to me just in our day to day life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never noticed that you have supposedly too many words, but it, it all, that also brings up um, a question about your process when you're writing a song. So when you have an idea for a song, do you have a set process? Like you think, all right. I'm going to sit down, I'm going to tease this out and then I'm going to work and work at it. Or is it just the case of fitting in the writing in whatever form you can whenever? Mm. Yeah, I definitely, um, when I was younger, I just remember the, like, the absolute pure pleasure of just sitting in my room for four hours and just writing and writing, like with no one bothering you, you know, you just can sit there and write. It was so beautiful and, and it's such a, you know, specific time in my life. Now definitely as a mother of like, 
three little children and a wife and a business owner, um, yeah, time is limited. So what I have actually um, been doing a lot more of the last couple of years, which I've really enjoyed, and I, I'd never really done it before this, um, but w- when I was growing up writing, writing songs, you know, in the caravan, traveling around, um, we didn't have recording devices. Right. So we had to write songs and memorize them, right? <laughs> so you'd write a song. Do you know how many songs I wrote that were absolute bangers that I forgot the next morning when I woke up? I couldn't remember the tune. <laughs> what is this after? But now we have iPhones, right? So we just yeah. like, we record things. And so, but I, I just remember so many times of writing a song, getting up the next morning, being like, for the life of me, I can't remember the tune. Can't remember how it goes. It's such, such a sad feeling. So what I've been doing now uh, the last couple of years, which has been a whole, you know, open up so many different avenues for me to take the pressure off myself I just leave the recording device running and I I try and aim to just um, power through and write the song without even stopping to write it down I just just sing it and so one of my songs you ain't one of us Mm -hmm. um, I actually wrote that song in one sitting and it had about four extra verses and so I wrote that entire song from beginning to end in about 10 minutes. It just like, it just kept coming and coming and coming. And I was just like, wow, I've got all these thoughts. And then I left it for like four months, didn't come back to it. And then I revisited it and then I edited it down into, and it's still quite a long song, to be honest with you, but I edited it down. So it was, you know, much, you know, more palatable for radio. Um, But yeah, this idea of, you know, it's been really helpful for me with the way that my mind works of just letting it, come out and mm-hmm. then seeing where it goes rather than stopping to critique it and stopping to go, oh, that one word isn't right. I'm going to go over and over and over that until I get the perfect word because it feels like it it like makes it disjointed and, and it stops the flow. Mm-hmm. Um, so often I'll do that. I'll, you know, I'll record it and I'll just write a song. I'll just write in my phone, you know, X, Y, Z name, first demo. And then sometimes I'll just go back and revisit them when I'm, you know, when I've got a clearer head. Um, usually in the daytime when I'm editing. So if I'm writing a song for the first time, usually nighttime because my inhibitions are lower because I'm exhausted. Um, and then I'll come back when I'm clear-headed first thing in the mornings, not the next morning, but when I'm trying to edit songs with a clear head so I can look at things without all the emotion attached and, and just think, okay, is this good? Is this bad? You know, and, and then I feel like editing is easier for me when I'm not tired and when I've got a clear head. Um, you're the first person to mention time of day in terms of writing. Oh, process. Really? It's really, that, that's a really good point. Yeah. Cause you're right. Most people, when they're tired, it's the, the channel is clearer in yeah. some ways. Less self-judgment. You're too tired yeah. to judge yourself. You just go, you just do it. <laughs> yeah. But yes, one does need the, the more focused, clear brain for editing, which is a different rhythm and a different task altogether. Yeah. yeah. Now, if someone was wanting, someone is running, wanting to write a song and um, they don't know exactly where to start. Do you have any tips? Oh man. I mean, I feel like um, it's such, you know, people ask this, you know, ask this all the time. And I feel like it's such a hard thing to answer because I don't feel like I'm even, you know, the best songwriter in the world. You know, I've still got so much to learn. And so I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm still figuring it out myself. I think, I think the number one thing for any songwriter is you got something to say. If you've got nothing to say, I feel like, um, you know, no, one, no one's going to want to listen. And when I say, you know, you've got something to say, um, if you're just writing because you want to hit or you want to be famous or you want people to think you're cool or you whatever, any of those external reasons that are actually not for the sake of writing, I think that, you know, it's probably not for you. You probably, you know, like you're doing it for the wrong reasons. I think that writing has to be because I have something, you know, I have something that I want to say and I think it's going to bring 
some sort of beauty into the world and that other people need to hear it. Um, and I feel like if you don't have anything to say that's going to do that, then, uh, you know, I, I feel like you've got nowhere to go. You know, you can't, you can't fake that. You can't fake that, that belief that you, you've got a voice. Mm. Um, you know, at, at the same time, um, I think that, <laughs> you know, my husband, my husband and I have this joke about, you know, creators and songwriting specifically where it's like the idea is, um, you know, like I hate myself, but I still think I'm better than everyone. <laughs> and so, because the, ir- the irony of songwriting is like, you're just like, I'm the worst songwriter. No one's going to want to listen to my songs. Everyone hates my art, but I'm still going to release it for the world to hear because they must hear it. <laughs> you know, and it's like, what is going on with you? Split personality? Like, who are you? So I think it's good. It's good. There's that weird, you know, back and forth of, you know, insecurity coupled with confidence um and I think that um you know without without both of those things um you know if, if you're too if you're too confident you know if there's not enough you know substance to it then maybe you won't have anything to say but if you if you if you're paralyzed by that then you'll, mm. you'll never be able to say anything either so yeah yeah, yeah. right I love it <laughs> and uh, what is the best writing advice you've ever been given if you have been given some I've been given so much. I always ask people for it as well. Um, I think um, two things, um, I don't know if I can remember them both, but um, Jason Isbell, who I think is just a phenomenal songwriter. Um, are you, do you know Jason Isbell? I don't yes. know him personally, but I have seen him, yes. <laughs> if you know him personally, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> um, he um, he commented a couple, I remember I was on Twitter one day and he'd written these two little songwriting tips and both of them really resonated with me. And um, one was, um, don't settle for anything less than exactly what you mean to say. Mm. And I thought that was really insightful just because often when you're writing a song, you do think, oh, look, I can't get dry or this it's fine. That's fine. That that says, you know, but he's like the whole idea of like, no, don't settle. Don't settle until you say exactly what you want to say. Um, and I think that is just such a, a beautiful and challenging thing to do in songwriting because there's so many factors to consider. Um, and then the other thing um, that I read that I really loved that he had said was, um, um, I think um, it, it, he'd said, no one ever gets editor's block. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, because I've got writer's block. And it's like, do you have editors? Go and edit. Go and edit yeah. your songs. Like, you know, because yeah. I think that, like, yeah, sometimes you do, you know, I mean, I think writer's block, I don't particularly believe in writer's block. I think it's just when we get, like, we, we like, you know, I'm, now I'm saying all the Jason Isbell things, but he did say in the same, you know, the same tweet, he was saying, like, um, no one's asking you to like it. They're just asking you to write it, you know. So you don't yeah. have to like what you're writing, just write it. You know, yeah. and I was like, mm, that's true. So, you know, because the idea is if you've got writer's block, just keep writing, just keep mm. writing, keep writing. Don't like it, but write. And so I think, but the idea though, that you can always go back and edit. And sometimes I do sit down on my guitar and I'm like, for the life of me, I feel like tonight I've got nothing mm-hmm. to say. But then I just find an old song and I go back and I think, okay, like, let's look at this. Let's try and edit this song out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That is excellent advice by you and Jason Isbell. I wish I could claim it as my own, but, you know, I just surround my, I just follow all the people who've got the insightful things to say and then I quote them in interviews. Well, except also you put it into practice so you've tested it. This is I the, have tested it. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So this is my last question um, is about a book you may recommend. You may not have time to read with everything going on, but, but maybe it's a book you read in the past or, a, or an author you really like, or perhaps it's a book you read to your children that you'd recommend to people. So um, 
I'm just going to, I've just two things have popped into my brain. And the first one, I'm just going to look up the title of the author because I don't want to not quote the author because that's terrible. But um, I have been reading these books to my kids um, lately that I um, I bought for my kids. And you are probably going to know this author as soon as I say his name. But he has these, I think with my with my kids, I'm always trying to um, increase their, well, not always, but, you know, you want them to grow into um you know, humans with grit. You want them to have grit, right? And I think grit's a really hard thing to teach, um, especially like, so for me as a child growing up, um, you know, we developed grit because, you know, my parents had four kids by 24 and we lived in a caravan and we were playing music in pubs and, cl- you know, like all these things are like, yeah, we had a bit of dirt on us, you know, like, you know, metaphorically, you know, we had a lot of, you know, things that were making us, you know, become gritty. Um, and so for my kids, I'm like, you guys are spoiled brats. There's not, you know, a single bit of dirt on you. You just like, do you know what I mean? Like you just like dream life, you know? And so my mum, like we always laugh because, you know, there's pros and cons, you know, you give your kids up, they're not give them physical things, but, you know, you provide, you meet all of their needs then they never have any hardship. And so you've got to try and teach them about hardship. Anyway, that's a bit of a ramble. But all that was to say, I found this author that I really love and um, his name is uh, Kobe Yamada. I don't know that name. Okay. So he has all of these amazing, you should go and look him up. I think you would absolutely love him. But he writes these children's books. And um, so there's one, you know, um, there's one called, I'm just finding it right now, so I can quote. So one's called, what do you do with an idea? One's called, what do you do with the problem? Um, And the other one is, what do you do with a chance? He also has one called trying and one called maybe. And so they're all about, you know, so the one I've been reading with my son lately is what to do with the problem, um, you know, because like you've got a lot of problems. So <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> I hope that people listening to this podcast like like my sense of humour. Like, <laughs> otherwise they're just going to think there's something wrong with me. But it's fine. Um, but yeah, so it's called What Do You Do With A Problem? And it's, it's all about, you know, um, you know, and understanding that a problem is just a chance to to learn and grow and, and try something new and, and making that palatable for kids with just like the most beautiful graphics and the most beautiful, you know, images and, um, and, you know, that sort of stuff. And so I, my son has been really intrigued by these books and he's, like a deep thinker, like probably similar to me. And so he often will say things like, oh, mum, I've never thought about it like that before. And, you know, so, um, and so he, yeah, he, he loves these books. And so um, they would be my, my, my kids' book recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of, um, you know, adult books, I think there's two books that really um, shaped me when I was younger. And um, one is um, George Orwell, 1984. I just think it's just, obviously it's a classic. And if you haven't read it, you should read it because it's amazing. But I just feel like that book just moved me so deeply. Um, we actually had two songs on our family band albums that we that we that were about this book because me so this is the thing about homeschooling me my brother and my sister all read it right. <laughs> because we were, I was like this is a great book and my brother read it and my sister read it and so I, I wrote this song called Julia which is about the main character you know yeah. Julia and it's all about you know their you know their, their love affair and and you know this the you know anyway so I wrote this song called Julia my brother wrote a song um called 1984 um you know and so we put both these songs um on our one of our family band albums but it was just we were just so deeply moved by that book. Um, mm-hmm. I assume you've read it. Yeah, I have. Yeah, not for a very long time, actually. I was, I, while you were talking about, it, I was like, when did I read that? It might have been yeah. high school. Yeah, but it's, it's crazy because I read it, you know, as a teenager or probably my early, yeah teenager, and I feel like it didn't feel dated. You know, it felt yeah. 
still just as relevant, you know, in terms of like you know, all the different ideas in it. And so anyway, love that book. And the other one um, that really shaped me when I was growing up, and this is a bit of left to field, but it's one by um, C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Have you ever read that one before? I don't think I've read that. I've certainly read quite a bit of C.S. Lewis, but I think that one was not in the school library. So <laughs> It definitely was not. No. And so it's a pretty wild book. It's actually, um, you know, um it's it's a funny book it's it's written from one demon writing a a book to another writing a letter to another demon and so it's all about capturing a human soul and so it's quite it's quite dark and I read it in my late teens um but it's just it it, C.S. Lewis has a way of just where he just observes the human condition so well um, that he's able to articulate things about the ways we function and the ways we interact with the world. Um, And and so the idea of him writing that, like as if a demon was using our own human condition against us to, you know, bring us to the dark side, um, was just, you know, mind blowing for me. And and as you read it, you see, you know, um, you, you see, you know, like I'm just trying to think of like, you know, there's one part in it where I think, um, you know, in the letter he says to the the younger the younger demon, he says, "You don't have to convince them um, to be bad. You just have to convince them that they're a little bit tired and they should just probably have a nap before they do that good thing." And I was like, "Oh man, you know, like." And so the whole idea is just, you know, all the ways that the demons were using the human condition to enslave, you know, mm. their um their you know um uh, the the human being that had been assigned to them. So yeah, just right. very interesting. So they're my two recommendations. Sorry, <laughs> you asked me for one and I gave you like a million. No, I, I don't mind how many you give. And they are excellent <laughs> recommendations. Um, and thank you very much for sharing them with us. Rachel, thank you for all of that wisdom, insight, information. It was so interesting for me to listen to you talk about that. So thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. No problem. Anything for you, Soph. Love you. And um, yes, thank you for including me in this amazing podcast. Thanks for listening to the Writing Books and Music podcast. If you'd like to know more about the writer you've just listened to, please go to the show notes.